Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new series on TechNet Radio that we're lovingly calling Tech Futures. I'm Kevin Remdy. I'm a technical evangelist for Microsoft. And for this part of our series, I am your tech futuristic host. Now, before we get into our discussion, I suppose I should introduce you to what we're going to be doing in this Tech Futures series. It's going to be a little bit different than our usual one-on-one TechNet radio interviews. Uh, We want to inspire you. We want to give you some technical conversations with inspiring technical experts. And we're going to talk about how cutting-edge Microsoft technologies and other technologies, really anything is fair game, and how they're enabling and will further enable dramatic world advancement. Try to get that out. Uh, now, for example, you may have heard that uh, Microsoft's vision is to empower every organization and every individual on the planet to achieve more. And I, I think it's safe to say that anyone working in and with technology today is passionate about what the future holds. So think about all the exciting things that you've seen, all the changes you've seen only in the past couple of years. And this rate of innovation, is it slowing or is it speeding up? Well, that's what this series is all about. Also, along with our impassioned discussions, we want to leave you with some resources. We want to help you get started, help you take the next steps in learning more about the areas that we discuss. Uh, So just one more item of business before we get into this discussion. Let's meet our guests today. Uh, Gentlemen, I'm going to let each one of you introduce yourself. uh, Tell us what you do professionally and who you do it for. Um, Matt McSpirit, we're going to start with you. Go ahead. Yes, hello, I'm Matt McSpirit. I'm a technical evangelist like Kevin, uh, focused on our on-prem technology, so Windows Server, System Center, uh, the Azure Stack, the Operations Management Suite, all of that cool stuff. That's what I do professionally in the loosest term. Um, Who do I do it for? I work in our uh, development organization, so DX here at Microsoft, based in Redmond, but obviously not from Redmond originally, as you can probably tell. And that's me, yeah, in my little office here in Building 9. Fantastic. And Joe, I believe you're also in Building 9. I'm also in Building 9, and if you watch the extended cut of this video, you will see a tour <laughs> of Building 9. Um, yes, I'm in Building 9, and it's uh, a good question what I do. I sort of uh, bother you guys to do stuff like this. Um, I'm loud a lot, and I like to talk about the future, uh, so here we are. Fantastic. He's got his Channel 9 guy right there, too. Very and cool. Channel 9 guy. Nice. All right. And Thomas. Hi, I'm Thomas Willingham, Technical Product Manager. I'm in the Enterprise Mobility Group. Uh, dealing with Azure Active Directory, Intune, uh, rights management services, and I focus on desktop virtualization and how remote desktop services impacts people. Uh, When people talk about technical product management, a question I get is, what do you actually do? Uh, The best way to describe it is uh, customer enablement and field empowerment. I am the clutch between the field and the product team. So as the product team comes out with new features functionality, I amplify that to the field. As field and customers uh, have information that they want to get back to the product team, I condense that information and hand it out. So that's Thomas in a nutshell. Very cool. All right. Thanks, guys. really appreciate you all being here today. So this is going to be a fun discussion. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, And as this is a more introductory session for this Tech Futures series, let's just talk a bit about where we came from individually and personally. Um, you know what? You know, give us your ideas, your your personal journey in tech. What got you into it? What what color was your first abacus? You know that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, no, for me, I was a music student originally, and I, but I got into computers because uh, well, I, I didn't do all that great in music, and also because uh, my dad saw me tinkering with the Apple II Plus that we had in the basement and said, you know, you ought to consider that because musical people are actually usually pretty good at computers. So went back to school, got a computer science degree back in 1980, and uh, been doing computers and uh, software engineering at first, and then uh, computer management uh, ever since. So, nice. uh, Matt. 
Well, where do I start? So um, I actually, when I was in college, which for us back in the UK is, I suppose, still the end of high school here in the US, so 16 to 18, I was all set down the physiotherapy, sports therapy, sports science type route, and then uh, just thought, you know what, this isn't for me, what do I enjoy doing? Computers and technology, and did a computer science degree like, you, like yourselves, where I did most of my coding uh, years are now firmly behind me uh, in the early 2000s and then joined Microsoft in 2006 and then I've been here, been there ever since and my first job at Microsoft was as a partner technology specialist in the UK mm -hmm. so working with uh, a group of partners we call SIs or system integrators the guys who are out there selling to their customers but also helping them deploy and 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 run the technology and my first products to focus on were Vista and Office as a new graduate for Microsoft. Oh joy Awesome. Good times, good times. But yeah, that's that's how I started in in tech. It was it was a good journey. Cool, cool. How about you, Joe? How about me? Uh, yes, I um, in college I majored in MIS, but really what I majored in was a uh, beer drinking, and I was very good at that. Uh, <laughs> over the summers, however, my dad he's always worked in IT. Although, like you, Kevin, he also is a musician at heart. Mm. Uh, but he worked in IT, and I got a job. Uh, doing some support stuff, uh, the help desk, and did that for a couple of years. Actually really enjoyed it, loved the, the new challenge, the mystery, uh, the excitement that comes with IT, like really loved the technology and the future possibilities that it has behind it. Uh, so went that route. Um, I was more interested always in like the business side and how other people can really appreciate and understand technology. So started behind the help desk, but moved over to a project management role where we uh, did things like working on uh, migrating um, migrating all of our computers from XP to Windows 7, moving from a new uh, mail server, stuff like that. Um, so a lot of great experience. And I came out to Redmond when my wife got into grad school, uh, started as a uh, project manager for the TechNet Eval Center, did the TechNet Eval Center upgrade, and then got a full-time job over here where I'm now talking to you guys. Fantastic. All right. And tell us. Uh, when I was younger, I was mechanically bent. I was always working on cars, motorcycles, things of that nature. And I've always been interested in how things work. Uh, mm. Going to college, I initially went to college for kind of Matt's area, a little bit of like anatomy, physiology, nutrition. And I did a internship with one of the teachers and had to go in a back room. And there was all this stuff cut up in jars. And I kind of made a deal right there. I'm like, if nothing cuts me up and puts me in a jar, I'm not going to cut anything else up and put it in a jar. And I decided <laughs> I like how things work, so why don't we flip over to, like, computer electronics? So that got me into the kind of computer side. I taught as an MCSE and consulted for, God, 10, 12 years. Um, started writing some courseware and... I've kind of done this like flip back and forth where I'll consult for a while, I'll get out in the field, I'll get my hands dirty, and then I like really miss getting in front of people. So then I get back into teaching, presenting, and then I miss getting my hands dirty. So I flip <laughs> back and forth. Fortunately, in my current role as a technical product manager, I get to present to people. I get to do podcasts and, and talk to people like this and talk to like Kevin, Matt, and Joe. So I get to talk to like some bright people. Um... And at the same time, I still get to dig into those technologies. So in my current role, I, I feel like I kind of have the best of both worlds. Mm. 
Very good, very good. You must be talking about some other Kevin, Matt, and Joe, but okay. Uh, anyway. Especially uh, Joe. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I, I was going to, the only thing I was going to correct him on was this whole, uh, we don't chop up body parts and put them in the jars here, because I got that. <laughs> okay, you work in a different area than I do then, Joe. I guess that's what Building 9 is all about. I'm really yeah. sure. <laughs> Not so, this side of Building 9. I haven't lunch in Building 9 anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably for the best. All right. So now I, I'd like to kind of switch over to uh, where we're at currently with technology. And I'm, I'm curious to, to see what each of you thinks is the most exciting, at least to you, with regard to some current device, some current technology area, something you think is really kind of uh, setting, the, setting the pace, setting the, setting the, the direction where technology is going. Um, I, I'd have to say for me, um, I think what's happening in the area of hands-free computing you know, some of the things we're doing with, with bots and with, with Cortana and, and with, uh, I'm not going to say, hey, Cortana, because you're going to wake up and interrupt this podcast. But, um, <laughs> shh, don't. Uh, <laughs> format C colon. Um, you know, things like that are, are kind of amazing and, and are going to be available to us no matter where we are, however we're connected, where you know, wherever that connectivity happens to be, uh, to be able to do things such as set reminders and to, to, do, to do things automatically for us at certain points. I mean, these are all really exciting things that are coming. Um, anybody else got something that they're really passionate about right now? I'm happy to take a stab at it. I think yeah. for me, it's almost old-fashioned. I'm, I'm just still incredibly enthralled and enthused when I learn more about what, we're, what we and what the industry is doing in, in infrastructure. And it's boring to a lot of people, but it's the incredibly important plumbing that powers so much stuff and makes all of the, the things you talked about a reality. It's got to run on something. So the the engineering in just the way that we are building products to map to what the industry is doing is just yeah phenomenal software defined storage networking compute all of that convergence doing more on less and the container ecosystem all of those and that's just name dropping a few areas that you could talk about for ages but mm-hmm. collectively all of that plumbing and and stuff is just magic compared to where we were 2008 2000 and or 2000 even before that 2003 as well you know you look back and you think customers still running those older systems they look at the new stuff now even though it's not available just yet and it's it's like black magic it's it's just mm. phenomenal stuff and for me that being and to share with what thomas was saying before about being able to tell people about that and tell stories and really enlighten people it's just incredible stuff, and it, it really broadens the mind of what is possible with boring infrastructure. You know? <laughs> well, and, is, and it is a great honor that we have this opportunity, too, and this is an opportunity for a shameless plug for a lot of the great content you've been putting out, Matt, as far as, uh, in particular, lately with the new version of Windows Server 2016 coming out and the, the top 10 uh, videos that you guys put together are just awesome. Yeah, there's, there's been some good stuff. and I, it, was a, yeah. it was a privilege to work with a lot of the engineers on that and just hear what they've got to say about their product, which is their, their passion. Yeah. I think I interrupted you, Joe. You were about to say something? Uh, no worries, no worries. So, I mean, I think uh, Matt sort of gave the point for what I think this series is all about, really, because uh, at the end of the day, I want to uh, things about, like, uh, 3D printing and self-driving cars and all these things. Like, the reality is we're not really going to get there until we have the ability to get there. And mm-hmm. we look at these, these new things that are coming, and they're awesome, they're exciting, but for many IT people out there, they're still stuck on legacy application on top of legacy application, and there's still a whole, whole way for them to go. So while part of this is obviously inspiring about where we want the future to be, it's also more reality of how do you actually get there and how do you give the right 
technical skills and pairing up people like, like Matt with Thomas, the people that are directly building, know the, uh, know the products, uh, have lived their lives on these things. Um, I think that's what's really exciting for our team. Um, for me specifically, though, uh, I think my most exciting one is uh, 3D printing. I think 3D printing is just uh, going to be really exciting. It, I mean, next couple of years, it's going to very bigly, uh, bigly <laughs> disrupt manufacturing and, and change how manufacturing is done. But even more so, I'm thinking about kind of that thousand years from now type thing or whatever it may be where we'll be able to just 3D print out of the air whatever we can think of and, and sort of like, again, how 3D printing is today and then how does it evolve to that in the future? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And again, to, just to uh, you know, frame the conversation, right now we're talking about current technologies, but uh, yeah, as you say, it's something that is uh, going to grow. Because we're going to go to the future in just a second. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, Forget all that. No, 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 that's good. That's still good. It's, <laughs> it's, it is current, and it is also, as you well, say, going to current, be with us current, for a long time. So my, all right, so here we go then. So my vision is 3D printed pizza as I described it. However, uh, what I learned is that there is 3D printed pizza that already exists, a couple of them actually. But that's not the 3D printed pizza that I want. Yeah, so I want I want out of the air manifested 3D printed. But I'll get to that later. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Thomas, what what so, kind of t technology today excites you? So Matt talked about the back end, that infrastructure component, and that honestly, that's the backbone. That's the foundation. That's what enables everything else to work. Uh, that's definitely an important component. One part that really excites me is the customer-facing component of that. Uh, so working in enterprise mobility, one thing that kind of really gets me jazzed is that customer or the user being able to work seamlessly across any device they want to, to work on to be productive. There's, there's kind of this balancing act that, that's being done right now where customers want to work on like any device, anytime, anywhere. And when you think about those things, you got to think about, well, how do we keep that information secure? How do we make sure that the device uh, meets a certain level of requirements? So the uh, user wants to have a freedom to do what they want to do versus IT pros, they still got to think about data compliance, uh, mm -hmm. ensuring you know things are corporate compliant and that the devices are secure. So this uh, like seamless spectrum of, you know, I'm going to work on whether it's my phone or my laptop or my tablet or whatever and get a very seamless experience enabled by the infrastructure that Matt's talking about. That to me is a really exciting uh, area to work in. And, and as users get, as this uh, area kind of matures, it won't matter what device a user is working on. They'll go up to device, they'll start working on it, they'll put that device down, they'll walk to another device and pick up right where they left off. That to me, enabling users to be productive on the device that they want to, I find that really exciting. Yeah, we're really just seeing the beginnings of that, and I think there's a there's a whole industry of people that are just realizing, wow, this is this is actually coming. This is actually be, uh, becoming a reality, um, based on that foundation, based on that back end to support it, based on the tooling to allow IT to be able to better manage it, and then in, in at, at the same time, giving the user the experience that they should have, that mobility, that experience mobility, not just device mobility, but the experience mobility, right? Um, so let's let's think about the future now. So uh, what are a couple of things that you see coming? Maybe even based on what you just mentioned, so you know, pizza, whatever, uh, <laughs> things that might radically change the way we achieve more in our work, in our play, uh, and those sorts of things. Um, you know, I think uh, again, kind of along the lines of uh, 
the ability of having well, mobility, uh, but also uh, the various types of devices that are going to be in our lives that um, that we don't even really realize exist. Uh, sensors in roads and in in places that can see the car or the car can see the sensors. This this whole experience of um, the Internet of Things, all these inter interconnected devices that help help us navigate, help us stay safe, help us have our cars drive, and we can focus on other things. I mean, these are all things that are just kind of blowing, blowing me away as you see the, the possibilities of that kind of interconnectivity. And, of course, the improvements in battery life, the improvements in uh, device size and the capabilities of devices and, and devices that let us build these sorts of things even very cheaply. Um, these are all things that are, are going to just uh, explode in the next few years. Yeah, I think, yeah I think building on, building on that, there's... I don't involve myself a huge amount in IoT and those kind of things. At Microsoft, I'm more, like, like we said before, on the infrastructure side. But at home, I have a much more of a, an appreciation for those kind of things than anything that makes life easier, whether it's a connected fridge, whether it's a, being able to turn my range on, my oven from the phone, you know, the thermostat, all of that stuff. But it's funny because in my Facebook feed, I regularly get these kind of, do you want to like this page uh, advertisement, I suppose it is, or a Kickstarter advertisement. And some of the things that you see coming through there, you just think, how has somebody even thought of that? You know, it's a, it's a light bulb, a screwing spotlight light bulb that's also a speaker. You think, that's genius. I want one of those. And, and it's all those kind of gadgets that I think I would never be able to think of those things that are really, I mean, maybe not 3D printing pizza. I'll just go to the local pizza place. And oh, get oh, I get, yeah, the taste has got to be better, but we'll see. But those kind of gadgets that you just think, yeah, is my garage shut or has it closed when behind me? Oh, I'll just check on my phone. And those kind of things, they're here now, but I can imagine as we get more and more connected and the Internet of Things starts to become more prevalent in people's homes through all of these different sensors, it's going to be phenomenal. But like Thomas said before about his app, and, and the experience, it's going to require infrastructure, whether that's in the cloud, powered by platforms like Azure, whether that's running from somebody's premises, whether it's a service provider, whether it's an enterprise. Again, that's going to be on-prem technology like Windows Server. So there's, there's certainly a, a foundation that's here today that's going to enable that tomorrow stuff, all these cool gadgets, all of these infrastructure uh, for IoT. So, so that's the stuff that excites me. It's about as far away as I can get from infrastructure without starting to feel nervous <laughs> and shaky. <laughs> like draw it back in. It must need a server somewhere, please. <laughs> How's it managed? Uh, well, they're all important questions as well. It'll be up yeah. to the uh, infrastructure people to make sure that IoT actually operates. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of You got to do some ops dev, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I think uh, <laughs> IoT, I, I love IoT because I, I look at IoT as just sort of a, it's something where I think the market is sort of having a hard time really understanding what it means, what it means to them, how things are going to change, what it looks like. And, I mean, this is a very simplistic view, and there's so much more about it. But the way that I look at it is sort of like IoT is the next evolution. So we had way back when with uh, mainframe computers, or you know, back even further to the abacus, and then you know to mainframe computers. Then when we went from mainframe to computers to desktops, we weren't like, oh, that's not a main, that's not a mainframe, it's a desktop. We don't do that anymore. And same thing, we went from desktops to laptop. We learned to manage that. Same with Thomas and team doing uh, enterprise mobility. How do you manage phones? How do you manage tablets? But this IoT thing, like Matt said, with this smart fridge that's going to be in our kitchens that, you know, uh, I believe uh, Samsung, I, I read something that they're going to have 90% of the devices internet connected within mm -hmm. 
the next couple of years. And so you look at, you know, Satya Nadella, he has his fridge and his fridge is connected to his corporate email. And now there's people in his, in his uh, house that are potentially seeing his corporate email. Like, how do we protect that? How do we think about that? And I think that's what's so important. But it's also so much fun because as these new challenges come up, there's new opportunities to solve them. There's always new problems that we can go and go and work on, especially as we're all working on this together. Well, like, uh, how do we really know that that refrigerator repairman is who he says he is? There you go. There you Iris go. scanning. Iris That's scanning That's on scary. the fridge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Here's uh, my fridge. The, the, one, so, <laughs> the one I said yesterday, so obviously you see it, um, but let's say maybe Satya has a smart, a smart contact lens in it where it's, uh, what's on the screen is encrypted unless his smart, uh, smart contact is able to see it. So only he can see it. It's just blank or maybe it's a picture of some flowers to everybody else. So the opportunities mm. are limitless. Mm. Right. See, so. and, and all of you came back to user productivity. Yeah. See, we talked about IoT, we talked about infrastructure, we talked about a fridge, we talked about a pizza, but at the end of the day, it's about user productivity, ensuring that the user can be productive on, again, whatever device, whether that device now becomes a car or a fridge or whatever, um, some headset on a sheep, so, you know, let's not leave ranchers out so they can be productive too. Yeah. Um, it, Internet of cows. A seamless experience for productivity across whichever devices that you want. Mm. Yeah, so I thank you for all coming back to device <laughs> mobility. Appreciate all it. about the user. It's all about the yeah, user. Yeah, it is. Unless or it's the, infrastructure. Or the rancher with the cows that all have uh, Microsoft bands on their hooves, right? I mean, there you go. Yeah. We got four, a monitor. Four per cow. Six we got to mar- monitor their uh, their carbon output. <laughs> their carbon output. Are they sleeping well? Yeah. <laughs> You've not moved in an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Push, push, push. But uh, Tom, to that point, no, I I do agree. I mean, I think it does all come back to productivity, and I mean, I think that was also Kevin's original um, point of view as well, and and sort of looking at like, for me, it's what does productivity mean? It doesn't mean doing email faster, getting to the next thing faster, um, but really looking at like what is actually productivity. And so for me, I always like to start way, way, way in the past. and think about like when we went from you know single-celled organisms way back here to fish, and then eventually like hey, let's get legs and get the heck out of here. We go and do that. You know, eventually sometime we turn to monkeys, we turn to humans, start painting on the caves. But there is where it's like you know we came out, we were starting doing this art, science, uh, in fun, those things, and then. I feel like sort of them, since then, we've been reinventing the wheel over and over again. But what's really interesting is we're really at a point now where with robotics, with automation, with machine learning, with technology, where we really are going to enable that productive future that we've sort of always been promised. It's always been, oh, no, technology is going to eliminate all these jobs and it makes so many more. Um, and the fact is, like, I feel like we're going to get there. Um, but at the same time, that's not necessarily a bad thing um, because it just means there's going to be more time for us to do what we love. Um, and also, it's going to be up to the IT people and, and the developers as well working out there to make this uh, future happen. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think so, it's also oh. interesting, too, and this is a, I'm actually reading a book on this, this subject. And I might bring it up a, a little bit later, too. But um, how, how the Internet ha- and the connectivity around the world has become a great equalizer in a sense because it gives everybody the opportunity to, to learn and to, and to have the world's knowledge in their pocket or in, or in their hand. Yeah. 
Um, and, uh, you know, what they do with that, well, maybe that it gives them the information, but not necessarily the opportunity. So we still have to give people the opportunity to start a business or to, to build something new because there's people that are capable of doing amazing things all over the world. It's just that we don't know where they are. And, uh, this is going to help us all get together to, to do these sorts of things we're dreaming about right now. So as Joe talked about, um, you know, initially we like farmed, we were agricultural, and the tools we had at our disposal for productivity, most of our energy still had to be on survival. People had to produce food, you had to wrangle animals, uh, you had to produce vegetables and things like that. So a lot of your energy went to that. So the majority of your day was farming or doing whatever you needed to do. Now with all these technological breakthroughs and production, now we can step back and start thinking about, well, what else can we do? Mm-hmm. To, to drive things forward. I don't have to focus my entire day on putting food on my table. Uh, instead, I can focus on maybe some greater pursuits. Uh, Joe, or Kevin, I think you mentioned like art, talking about art, music, uh, things like that. So we can start to turn our intellectual horsepower uh, to other pursuits to see, well, how does that work? What does that look like? Hmm. Absolutely. So what, uh, I think the thing that's most interesting about that, Thomas, too, is... Um, so I've been watching, uh, I like to spend my free time by watching Crash Course History on YouTube, which is amazing, and I will link to it below. But anyway, it's um, the series where it talks about, like, kind of how we got to where we are, and they cover a ton of different topics. But on the history thing, they talked about, like, this hunter-gatherer stage that we had and where the Earth was about 6 million people before a supervolcano took us out, which we had no way to prevent. Um, what was really interesting, he said, like, at that time, they had a lot of uh, they had a lot of musical instruments. They had a lot of uh, crafts and other things. Um, and actually, on average, they worked about six hours a day, which left a lot more time. Obviously, I really like to have a phone. I like to have the Internet. I like to have heat. Um, so overall, I'm, I'm really happy about the progress that we've made. Um, but also, at the same time, it's really understanding, like, what does productivity really mean? What does it look like? And what is just meta work? What is just more work for the sake of work? Or browsing Facebook. Or browsing Facebook. <laughs> I guess it's a big time sink. Yeah. Oh, man. Now, you, you didn't bring it back to pizza, though, so I'm wondering uh, if you have any more thoughts on pizza. <laughs> oh, I have. Oh, we'll have. We'll have to save that for the overtime section, I think. <laughs> okay, good. All right. So, so uh, Matt, did you have any other final thoughts before we wrap it up? Um, all I can think about now is pizza. <laughs> um, Matt, you have 60 more minutes in the Building 9 cafeteria to get some know, delicious I've pizza. What had, had lunch round one. Um, I think... <laughs> The key thing for me with with technology, and Joe alluded to it as well, is it is about the user. You know, we've we've talked about that multiple times. It's about, but for me, it's just making things easier. You know, mm. and I think about my home life. It's convenience. It's enabling me more broadly. What what you were saying before, Kevin, about enabling people to explore things that they would never have been able to do before. I could have an idea, and now I know through the power of the internet and through the power of technology that I could take that idea, which nobody else has had hopefully mm-hmm. and just just go for it i can ask you guys to fund it and i'll get some money and if we're successful we can make some money you know that kind of entrepreneurship utilizing community and technology being the broker of of that whole relationship is is phenomenal and and enables all of these pages to appear in my facebook page where mm-hmm. it says do you want to fund this or do you want to explore this <laughs> thumb this yeah funded or do you want to oh, uh, pay for this light bulb speaker system that's now available you know all those kind of things would just never have started and i just find that fascinating that it's 
how technology is enable an enabler for all of those different scenarios. And but for me personally, as well as it's a convenience, you know, changing my thermostat when I'm in bed upstairs and the thermostat is downstairs, I can just change that temperature. All of that from my phone, all of that stuff is a time saver and it makes my life more mm -hmm. efficient building on what Joe says to focus on the things that you really want to focus on. Because I don't have time to read lots of books and watch lots of movies and those kind of things that I am passionate about, but I can use technology to help me free up uh, that time to do those things. Um, yeah, it's certainly a convenience thing. Yeah, definitely. Well, this There's is a, also, really quick, one more thing. There's also yeah. a cool, like, democratization using technology, using the Internet, using all these connected things that we have. People have access to things, people, resources that they didn't have access to before. Um, people reach out to, like, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and, like, some little kid has cancer. His mom reaches out to Dwayne The Rock Johnson and was like, hey, my kid has cancer, would love to meet you. And that happens. You know, before things like that, maybe be a phone call. You can only take so many calls during a day. That so to me, the building of relationships has also been a really cool component and aspect of this. Yeah, I have the world a small place. <laughs> I absolutely yes. agree, and also especially we look at. I mean, obviously we're very privileged wherever we may be that we do have the opportunity to talk to people either across campus, across the country, or down the hall. Um, but at the same time, much of the world doesn't have that opportunity. But this access angle that you bring, especially access with technology, is so interesting because we are at the place pretty much where devices, the inputs, the technology is getting so cheap where we could, for all intents and purposes, hand out free phones to every person in the world where there are so many other different value-added things that you could glean from that. Just the information alone, it's, as James Whitaker says, it's the new oil, it's the new gold. Um, mm -hmm. But also, and there is like where it gets very interesting too, because historically we've needed to put down roads, put down um, electricity and all these things. But with technology, we're going to have sky internet. We're going to have just internet available everywhere, um, all this accessible with what Thomas and team's doing, any application you could ever imagine immediately available, and most importantly, connected. People are going to be able to get to that data that we've turned into information, they're going to be able to learn, they're going to be able to connect with other people, get new ideas, improve their lives, and I think that's what's most exciting uh, uh, with technology for me. Absolutely. Excellent. All right. And pizza. And, and pizza. Uh, so before we wrap it up here, um, do we have any resources we want to point our viewers to uh, to get started in anything we've talked about today? I mean, I, I know that just basically a search in the Internet is going to find you a wealth of information no matter what because we've already talked about that. But any particular resources that uh, we think people should have? Oh, yeah. For this one, do we cover resources? So on the next episode, we're going to do the specific resources for uh, RDS. That was a great uh, preview for uh, Thomas. We're going to be talking about an accessible future next time, which is going to be awesome. Uh, for this one, I think uh, um, it'll be just probably I'll do a blog post to this, uh, which will summarize all this. So we'll call it uh, hopefully aka.ms slash techfutures blog. Tech, <laughs> all right. So aka, go to aka.ms slash Tech Futures 3D Pizza, and yep. I'll make sure there's something that exists there at that point. But if you guys have other places you want to send people to, let's uh, find that out. Hopefully no one's still on that AKA link yet. No, yeah, right. Well, I think the chances are slim. 
Yeah, um, I, I think uh, you know we're gonna put. We'll make sure that all of our blog and contact information is available on the page where you saw this video on Channel Nine too, so that you make sure take take advantage of those. Those will all, all be on the same page. Um, I think one other thing we want to make sure people have an opportunity to do is to actually give us feedback, and that's another reason why these are a little bit different than what we've done in the past. We really, really covet your feedback. We want you to tell us how we're doing. We want you to tell us what you want to see, um, even if it's pizza. Uh, flavors, uh, pizza ingredients. Um, you know, tell us what uh, what what topics you think would be good in this kind of a tech futures uh, session. As Joe mentioned, we're going to be talking about uh, remote desktop, remote commu- remote computing in our next recording. But we've got a whole uh, we've got a whole a couple months here of of uh, ideas, and we want to get some more from you. So if you could actually uh, give us feedback, add it in the comments below the video. Uh, we really really want to find out what you want to see. And we uh, and if you want to uh, you know reach out to any any of us individually, again we'll have our blog information there. You can contact any one of us. Uh, give us the feedback feedback and uh, we'll make sure we do something about it uh, and, and uh, address it. Does that sound good guys? That yeah, sounds pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. All right. So well, I'm going to thank you all for, for uh, watching us today. Um, really appreciate that. You guys, uh, thank you for the discussion. I really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. And uh, like we said, we're going to probably do a little bit more recording here and just uh, kind of shoot the breeze on technology. But for, for now, thank you again and we'll see you all soon for another episode of Tech Futures.